I have been many years training on the way of strategy. The character for way is read Nichi in Japanese or Do in Chinese-based reading. It is equivalent to the Chinese Dao and means the whole of life of the warrior, his devotion to the sword and his place in the system. The divine footprints of God pointing the way. Strategy or Heiho is a word of Chinese derivation meaning military strategy. He means soldier, and Ho means method or form. It is now during the first ten days of the tenth month, 1645, and I have climbed the mountain Iwato of Higo to pay homage to heaven and kneel before Buddha. I am a warrior of Harima province, Shinmen Oshashi no Kami Fujiwara no Genshin, age sixty years. From youth, my heart has been inclined toward the way of strategy, or the sword, my first duel when I was thirteen, I struck down a strategist or swordsman of the Shinto school, one Arima Kihei. When I was sixteen, I struck down an able strategist, Tadashima Akiyama. When I was twenty-one, I went up to the capital and met all manner of strategists, never once failing to win in many contests. After that, I went from province to province, dueling with strategists of various schools, and not once failed to win even though I had as many as sixty encounters. This was between the ages of thirteen and twenty-eight, or twenty-nine. When I reached thirty, I looked back on my past. The previous victories were not due to my having mastered strategy. Perhaps it was natural ability, or the order of heaven, or that other school strategies were inferior. After that, I studied morning and evening, searching for the principle and gained to realize the way of strategy when I was fifty. Since then I have lived without following any particular way. Thus the virtue of strategy I practice many arts and abilities, all things with no teacher. To write this book, I did not use the law of Buddha or the teachings of Confucius, neither old war chronicles nor books on martial tactics. I take up my brush to explain the true spirit of this Ichi school, as it is mirrored in the way of heaven and Kwanan, Buddhism's goddess of mercy. The time is the night of the tenth day of the tenth month, and the hour of the tiger, three to five a.m. Welcome back. This is episode 32 of the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. In the podcast today, we're going to listen to, in its entirety, the Book of Five Rings, written by Miramoto Matsushitu. Approximately in 1645, the Book of Five Rings, or Go Ring No Show, uh, in the Ichi School. Um, this book is really tremendous, and as you listen to this book, it's really easy to slip into a mindset where you're, you know, reading some flowery samurai guy sitting under a tree eating an apple, this is not that at all. You have to understand that feudal Japan, at that time in the 1600s, were, were shoguns and fiefdoms and kingdoms, all separate, and they were all battling one another. Japan was not one cohesive government or unit or, you know, loving people together. It was a very warlike culture. And for that reason, they had no time for some nonsense type of philosophy or some type of thinking and 
strategy that didn't work or just made sense on paper. These men, uh, when these samurais and these warriors, when they met, they fought to the death. And basically, each shogun or each region was looking to conquer the other region just for pure survival purposes. And if you had some kind of fugazi teaching or philosophy that didn't work, you were dead. So, and even if you had the greatest philosophy, there's a really good chance that you'd end up dead also. I mean, this was a very warlike culture. And the apex of this culture was the samurai or the samurai warrior. And they were basically mercenaries. They they would go about um, battling, you know, other samurais. In most instances, fighting to the death, just to, just to prove their name and their status. And they would be seeking employment by the shogun or by rulers uh, in the area, so that they can become, you know, a subject to the to the uh, to the ruler or to the, or to the king of that fight them, to the shogun, and. This was their trade and this was their business. And in the book, you're going to hear uh, the word strategy referred to a lot, but strategy is actually sword fighting. And the book is actually comprised of five books. The Book of the Earth, the Book of Water, the Book of Fire, which is fighting, the Book of the Wind, and the Book of the Void. And each book has its own distinct meaning and teaching and these teachings are very very hidden uh, and very very esoteric so you have to understand that uh, you, you have to understand that and one of the quotes from the book it's actually this quote is actually not from the book of five rings it's from another book called the Hagakuru which is hidden leaves I believe translated and this was a book that the samurais really held very dear and they would read it and and it, 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 this wasn't, the Hagakura was not written by one samurai, but a collection of, of sayings and writings from various samurais compiled into one book. But this quote comes from, from the Hagakura, from the very beginning of the Hagakura. And I quote, The way of the samurai is found in death. Meditation on inevitable death should be performed daily. Every day when one's body and mind are at peace, one should meditate upon being ripped apart by arrows, rifles, spears, and swords, being carried away by surging waves, being thrown into the midst of a great fire, being struck by lightning, being shaken to death by a great earthquake, falling from a thousand foot cliff, dying of disease, or committing seppuku at the death of one's master. And every day without fail, one should consider himself as dead. This is the substance of the way of the samurai. I mean, that's some shit right there. You have to understand, I mean, if, if you were a samurai, you know, and you, you know, you got up in the morning, you went to go about your business and do your thing, and you go out on the street, um, you know, this is, this is what faced you. And if you were not prepared for death, then you'd freak out, you'd, you'd, you'd lose your mind. So what basically what this is stating is that the way of the samurai is found in death and meditation upon death should be performed daily. That's the reality of his existence, okay? Not, not this, you know, don't take it in the wrong sense of, you know, because they, they, they were the apex, they were the top of the food chain in Japan and they lived lavish lives and they were, in many instances, became pretty rich and affluent. 
but that was the tool of their trade. Uh, you know that samurai sword. They had they had two swords. They had the the larger sword and the and the shorter sword, and only a samurai could carry both. Um, but yeah, you, the, the the whole culture of the samurai was fight to the death. So they were prepared for death, and that's why they lived life so fully. Uh, it's, it's pretty deep shit, man. And again, one of the reasons why I love this philosophy is that it's so pure in the teaching. Zero bullshit in it. Zero. I mean, again, it's an allegory. It's a metaphor. As you read through it, you know, he's talking about, you know, that you must think about cutting, you know, constantly thinking about cutting and foot position and, and balance and, you know, the, the the nature and the attitude of your enemy, the inside attitude, the outside attitude. I mean, they say that when you go to the Harvard Business Harvard Business School, one of the first books that they give you to read is this book of five rings because the strategy that's within it is, is just profound. And again, this could all translate right to business. You know, you, you have to just, you know, apply the void and, and, and look at it for what it is, the truth and the teaching and the depth of this book. But anyway, you know, I could speak about it on and on and carry on with it, but um, this is a, tr a really great reading and a great translation of the book of five rings. And uh, I'm not sure of the person's name, but the dude that reads this, he, he reads a bunch of uh, Eastern philosophy books and he does a great job. He's, he's the guy that I look for when I go on YouTube to listen. But anyway, um, he's going to give an introduction to the book, a little bit of the background, and then go through the whole book of Five Rings. And uh, it's probably going to run for about, about 90 minutes. So yeah, just uh, I highly recommend listening to it. Uh, and yeah, hopefully, you know, people that have never heard of it or kind of never really got into it, you know, they will, you know, give it a good listen and listen to it all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's the type of book it is. And if, if anything, also, I would go and order, buy this book and read it all the time. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. You can read little sections of it. You can refer to, you know, certain parts of it. Just speak to me, you know, real deeply. But anyway. And in closing, I'd just like to say that, you know, don't look at this as some barbaric dude and he was a killer and he killed 60 people. I mean, this is the time that he was brought up in and this is just the way it was. It was just that way. That was, if, if not, you just became uh, victimized. You would just, you would just be dead. So that you had to fight or die. So in that light and in that context, um, he became the greatest samurai ever, uh, in Japan and, uh, was never defeated. And in many of his battles, I believe he won 60 battles. A lot of the battles that he fought and he, he defeated multiple men. The other thing that he was known for was a technique of using two long swords at the same time. Simultaneously, he would wield two swords. Um, crazy shit. So anyway, he won 60 battles and it got to the point where, and it says it in, in, in the Book of Five Rings, he gets to the point where he says that he's achieved everything and there was one last battle, uh, there was one last dude, I forget his name, that um, he had to battle because they were, you know, to determine who was the greatest samurai ever. And, and I'm not sure if this is legend, I believe this is actually real life. And the dude was like, okay, we, we have to, we have to fight to see who the greatest samurai ever is. 
And Matsushita wasn't a stupid guy. Muramoto wasn't a stupid guy. He did research and he found out that this other samurai used a sword that was slightly longer than the standard samurai sword. So what he would do was when he would engage in battle, he would he would come, you know, attack you and come at you with the sword pointing like like straight back, almost like a fin, like a shark fin at the top of his head pointing straight back so that you would not notice the sword is slightly longer. And he employed this kind of technique where he would come at you that way so you couldn't see it. And when, when you would go to defend or parry with him, he would slice and get you because that sword would be about two inches longer than what you'd expect. And he was aware of this. Now, I think some of this is going to be legend, but here's here's what happened. They they agreed to fight, and the guy was on an island. And Miramoto Machishitu said, okay, we're going to fight, and uh, you know I'm going to row out to the island and see. So I, I, give or take, he was supposed to get out there at 9 o'clock in the morning, Machishitu, to fight this other samurai. And the samurai was cer ceremonial, waiting, drinking his tea, and doing that whole thing, waiting for him, legitimately waiting the fight to the death. And Matsushita, you know, the samurai's waiting. Now it's 9 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. The samurai's waiting on Matsushita. Matsushita's delaying 10 o'clock, 11, 12, 1, 2. I think he ended up getting there at 6 o'clock in the evening. And the dude was just, like, enraged and angered and just beside himself, just just fuming. Couldn't take it. And it's it's uh, legend states that as, as uh, Matsushita was rowing out to, to fight this guy, that he decided to put away his samurai sword and he carved the oar of the boat, the boat oar, into, fashioned it into a samurai sword and made that two inches longer than his opponent, which put it, I, I guess, I'm estimating, like four inches longer than the sta standard samurai sword. So at the point in time he hit the beach and came up, the guy, the other samurai, saw him and um, did his technique. He came at him, you know, to to to, to get him and 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 swipe him with his extra length of the sword. And as they swiped, Matsushita's sword was two inches longer. His wooden or sword was two inches longer. And he struck him and and killed him with his sword, and became the greatest samurai ever. Upon upon this happening, it's legend that um, he said, "You know what? I've killed everybody. I've won every battle, and I have nothing more to prove." So what he did was he put away his samurai sword and he started writing poetry. He wrote the Book of Five Rings and he did art. And there's actually beautiful art that you could see that he, uh, you could see it online. He actually does have art that exists uh, that he's painted and poetry that he's written. And of course his book, which is legendary. So, I mean, this guy, this, this legendary guy, this samurai this archetype of a man, I mean, this guy just did every, I mean, how badass is it to be the greatest samurai ever and then to write poetry, write a book on philosophy and, and, and paint art? I mean, you know, what else can you say? So, you know, I may have some of my facts jumbled up, but they're, they're pretty accurate and you could do some research on, on him. Like I said, just listen, listen to this book, this audio book. And, uh, yeah, you, You'll get a lot out of it. Learn some real deal shit. So let's get into it. The Ground Book. Strategy is the craft of the warrior. Commanders must enact the craft, and troopers should know this way. 
There is no warrior in the world today who really understands the way of strategy. There are various ways. There is the way of salvation by the law of Buddha. The way of Confucius governing the way of learning. The way of healing as a doctor. As a poet teaching the way of waka, tea, archery, and many other arts and skills. Each man practices as he feels inclined. It is said the warriors is the twofold way of pen and sword, and he should have a taste for both ways. Even if a man has no natural ability, he can be a warrior by sticking assiduously to both divisions of the way. Generally speaking, the way of the warrior is resolute acceptance of death. This idea can be summed up as the philosophy expounded in Hagakure, or Hidden Leaves, a book written in the 17th century by Yamamoto Tsunenori and a few other samurai of the province Nabeshimahan, present-day saga. Although not only warriors, but priests, women, peasants, and lowlier folk have been known to die readily in the cause of duty or out of shame, this is a different thing. The warrior is different in that studying the way of strategy is based on overcoming men. By victory gained in crossing swords with individuals or in joining battle with large numbers, we can attain power and fame for ourselves or our Lord. This is the virtue of strategy. Even an unadaptable man who is completely useless is a most trusted retainer if he does nothing more than think earnestly of his Lord's welfare. To think only of the practical benefit of wisdom and technology is vulgar. So when you embark upon something, before you start, fix your intention on the four oaths and put selfishness behind you. Then you cannot fail. The four oaths? Never be late with respect to the way of the warrior. Be useful to the Lord. Be respectful to your parents. Get beyond love and grief. Exist for the good of man. The, the Way of Strategy in China and Japan, practitioners of the way have been known as masters of strategy. Warriors must learn this way. Recently, there have been people getting on in the world as strategists, but they are usually just sword fencers. The attendants of the Kashima Kantoril's shrine of the province Hitachi received instruction from the gods and made schools based on this teaching, traveling from country to country instructing men. This is the most recent meaning of strategy. In olden times, strategy was listed among the ten abilities and seven arts as a beneficial practice. It was certainly an art, but as a beneficial practice, it was not limited to sword fencing. The true value of sword fencing cannot be seen within the confines of sword fencing technique. If we look at the world, we see arts for sale. Men use equipment to sell their own selves. As if with the nut and the flower, the nut has become less than the flower. In this kind of way of strategy, both those teaching and those learning the way are concerned with coloring and showing off the technique, trying to hasten the bloom of the flower. They speak of this dojo and that dojo. They are looking for profit. Someone once said, immature strategy is the cause of grief. That was a true saying. There are four ways in which men pass through life. As gentlemen, 
farmers, artisans, and merchants. The way of the farmer. Using agricultural instruments, he sees springs through to autumns with an eye on the changes of season. Second is the way of the merchant. The winemaker obtains his ingredients and puts them to use to make his living. The way of the merchant is always to live by taking profit. This is the way of the merchant. Thirdly, the gentleman warrior, carrying the weaponry of his way. The way of the warrior is to master the virtue of his weapons. If a gentleman dislikes strategy, he will not appreciate the benefit of weaponry, so must he not have a little taste for this? Fourthly, the way of the artisan. The way of the carpenter is to become proficient in the use of his tools, first to lay his plans with a true measure, and then perform his work according to plan. Thus he passes through life. These are the four ways of the gentleman, the farmer, the artisan, and the merchant. Comparing the way of the carpenter to strategy. Here, carpenter means both architect and builder, as well as carpenter. The comparison with carpentry is through the connection with houses. Houses of the nobility, houses of warriors, the four houses, ruin of houses, thriving of houses, the style of the house, the tradition of the house, and the name of the house. The carpenter uses a master plan of the building, and the way of strategy is similar in that there is a plan of campaign. If you want to learn the craft of war, ponder over this book. The teacher is as a needle. The disciple is as thread. You must practice constantly. Like the foreman carpenter, the commander must know natural rules and the rules of the country and the rules of houses. This is the way of the foreman. The foreman carpenter must know the architectural theory of towers and temples and the plans of palaces and must employ men to raise up houses. The way of the foreman carpenter is the same as the way of the commander of a warrior house. In the construction of houses, choice of woods is made. Straight, unknotted timber of good appearance is used for the revealed pillars. Straight timber with small defects is used for the inner pillars. Timber of the finest appearance, even if a little weak, is used for the thresholds, lintels, doors, and sliding doors, and so on. Good, strong timber, though it be gnarled and knotted, can always be used discreetly in construction. Timber which is weak or knotted throughout should be used as scaffolding and later for firewood. The foreman carpenter allots his men work according to their ability. Floor layers, makers of sliding doors, thresholds and lintels, ceilings and so on. Those of poor ability lay the floor joists and those of lesser ability carve wedges and do such miscellaneous work. If the foreman knows and deploys his men well, the finished work will be good. The foreman should take into account the abilities and limitations of his men, circulating among them and asking nothing unreasonable. He should know their morale and spirit and encourage them when necessary. This is the same as the principle of strategy. The way of strategy. Like a trooper, the carpenter sharpens his own tools. He carries his equipment in his toolbox and works under the direction of his foreman. 
He makes columns and girders with an axe, shapes floorboards and shelves with a plane, cuts fine openwork and carvings accurately, giving as excellent a finish as his skill will allow. This is the craft of the carpenters. When the carpenter becomes skilled and understands measures, he can become a foreman. The carpenter's attainment is having tools which will cut well to make small shrines, writing shelves, tables, paper lanterns, chopping boards, and pot lids. These are the specialties of the carpenter. Things are similar for the trooper. You want to think deeply about this. The attainment of the carpenter is that his work is not warped, that the joints are not misaligned, and that the work is truly planed so that it meets well and is not merely finished in sections. This is essential. If you want to learn this way, deeply consider the things written in this book one at a time. You must do sufficient research. The Outline of the Five Books of This Book of Strategy Five Books, or Go Ring No Show, means a book of five rings. The Go Dai, the five greats of Buddhism, are the five elements which make up the cosmos. Ground, water, fire, wind, and void. The gold in, the five rings of Buddhism, are the five parts of the human body. Head, left and right elbows, and left and right knees. The way is shown as five books concerning different aspects. These are ground, water, fire, wind or tradition, and void. The body of the way of strategy from the viewpoint of my Ichi school is explained in the ground book. It is difficult to realize the true way just through sword fencing. Know the smallest things and the biggest things, the shallowest things and the deepest things. As if it were a straight road mapped out on the ground, the first book is called the ground book. Second is the water book. With water as the basis, the spirit becomes like water. Water adopts the shape of its receptacle. It is sometimes a trickle and sometimes a wild sea. Water has a clear blue color. By the clarity, things of Ichi school are shown in this book. If you master the principles of sword fencing, when you freely beat one man, you beat any man in the world. The spirit of defeating a man is the same for ten million men. The strategist makes small things into big things, like building a great Buddha from a one-foot model. I cannot write in detail how this is done. The principle of strategy is having one thing to know ten thousand things. Things of Ichi school are written in this, the water book. Third is the fire book. This book is about fighting. The spirit of fire is fierce, whether the fire be small or big, and so it is with battles. The way of battles is the same for man-to-man -man fights and for ten thousand aside battles. You must appreciate that spirit can become big or small. What is big is easy to perceive. What is small is difficult to perceive. In short, it is difficult for large numbers of men to change position so their movements can be easily predicted. An individual can easily change his mind so his movements are difficult to predict. You must appreciate this. The essence of this book is that you must train day and night in order to make quick decisions. 
In strategy, it is necessary to treat training as a part of normal life, with your spirit unchanging. Thus, combat in battle is described in the Fire Book. Fourthly, the Wind Book. This book is not concerned with my Ichi school, but with other schools of strategy. By wind, I mean old traditions, present-day traditions, and family traditions of strategy. Thus, I clearly explain the strategies of the world. This is tradition. It is difficult to know yourself if you do not know others. To all ways, there are sidetracks. If you study a way daily, and your spirit diverges, you may think you are obeying a good way. But objectively, it is not the true way. If you are following the true way and diverge a little, this will later become a large divergence. You must realize this. Other strategies have come to be thought of as mere sword fencing, and it is not unreasonable that this should be so. The benefit of my strategy, although it includes sword fencing, lies in a separate principle. I have explained what is commonly meant by strategy in other schools in the tradition or wind book. Fifthly, the book of the void. By void, I mean that which has no beginning and no end. Attaining this principle means not attaining the principle. The way of strategy is the way of nature. When you appreciate the power of nature, knowing the rhythm of any situation, you will be able to hit the enemy naturally and strike naturally. All this is the way of the void. I intend to show you how to follow the true way according to nature in the book of the void. The Name Ichirio Mito one school, two swords. Warriors, both commanders and troopers, carry two swords at their belt. In olden times, these were called the long sword and the sword. Nowadays, they are known as the sword and the companion sword. But it suffice to say that in our land, whatever the reason, a warrior carries two swords at his belt. It is the way of the warrior. Nito Ichiryu shows the advantage of using both swords. Students of the Ichi school way of strategy should train from the start with the sword and long sword in either hand. Note that the samurai wore two swords thrust through the belt with the cutting edges upward on the left side. The shorter or companion sword was carried at all times, and the longer sword worn only out of doors. From time to time, there were rules governing the style and length of swords. Samurai carried two swords, but other classes were allowed only one sword for protection against brigands on the roads between towns. This is a truth. When you sacrifice your life, you must make fullest use of your weaponry. It is false not to do so and to die with a weapon yet undrawn. If you hold a sword with both hands, it is difficult to wield it freely to left and right, so my method is to carry the sword in one hand. This does not apply to large weapons such as the spear or halberd, but swords and companion swords can be carried in one hand. To hold the long sword in both hands is not the true way, for if you carry a bow or spear or other arms in your left hand, you have only one hand free for the long sword. However. When it is difficult to cut an enemy down with one hand, you must use both hands. It is not difficult to wield a sword in one hand. The way to learn this 
is to train with two long swords, one in each hand. It will seem difficult at first, but everything is difficult at first. Bows are difficult to draw, halberds are difficult to wield, as you become accustomed to the bow, so your pull will become stronger. When you become used to wielding the long sword, you will gain the power of the way and wield the sword well. As I will explain in the second book, the water book, there is no fast way of wielding the long sword. The long sword should be wielded broadly, and the companion sword closely. This is the first thing to realize. According to this Ichi school, you can win with a long weapon, and yet you can also win with a short weapon. In short, the way of the Ichi school is the spirit of winning, whatever the weapon and whatever its size. It is better to use two swords rather than one when you are fighting a crowd, and especially if you want to take a prisoner. These things cannot be explained in detail. From one thing, no ten thousand things. When you attain the way of strategy, there will not be one thing you cannot see. You must study hard. The Benefit of the Two Characters Reading Strategy Masters of the Long Sword are called strategists. We do not call masters of the way of the long sword long swordsmen, nor do we speak of companion swordsmen, because bows, guns, spears, and halberds are all warriors' equipment. They are certainly part of strategy. To master the virtue of the long sword is to govern the world and oneself. Thus, the long sword is the basis of strategy. The principle is strategy by means of the long sword. If he attains the virtue of the long sword, one man can beat ten men. Just as one man can beat ten, so a hundred men can beat a thousand, and a thousand can beat ten thousand. In my strategy, one man is the same as ten thousand, so this strategy is the complete warrior's craft. The way of the warrior does not include other ways, such as Confucianism, Buddhism, certain traditions, artistic accomplishments, and dancing. But even though these are not part of the way, if you know the way broadly, you will see it in everything. Men must polish their particular way. The Benefit of Weapons in Strategy There is a time and a place for use of weapons. The best use of the companion sword is in a confined space or when you are engaged closely with an opponent. The long sword can be used effectively in all situations. Anyway, if you learn indoor or dojo techniques exclusively, you will think narrowly and forget the true way. Thus you will have difficulty in actual encounters. Just as a horse must have endurance and no defects, so it is with weapons. Horses should walk strongly, and swords and companion swords should cut strongly. Spears and halberds must stand up to heavy use. Bows and guns must be sturdy. Weapons should be hardy rather than decorative. You should not have a favorite weapon. To become over-familiar with one weapon is as much a fault as not knowing it sufficiently well. You should not copy others, but use weapons which you can handle properly. It is bad for commanders and troopers to have likes and dislikes. These are things you must learn thoroughly. Timing in Strategy There is timing in everything. 
Timing and strategy cannot be mastered without a great deal of practice. Timing is important in dancing and pipe or string music, for they are in rhythm only if timing is good. Timing and rhythm are also involved in the military arts, shooting bows and guns and riding horses. In all skills and abilities, there is timing. There is also timing in the void. There is timing in the whole life of the warrior, in his thriving and declining, in his harmony and discord. Similarly, there is timing in the way of the merchant, in the rise and fall of capital. All things entail rising and falling timing. You must be able to discern this. In strategy, there are various timing considerations. From the outset, you must know the applicable timing and the inapplicable timing. And from among the large and small things and the fast and slow timings, find the relevant timing, first seeing the distance timing and the background timing. This is the main thing in strategy. It is especially important to know the background timing, otherwise your strategy will become uncertain. You win in battles with the timing in the void, born of the timing of cunning by knowing the enemy's timing, and thus using a timing which the enemy does not expect. All the five books are chiefly concerned with timing. You must train sufficiently to appreciate all this. If you practice day and night in the above Ichi school strategy, your spirit will naturally broaden. Thus is large-scale strategy and the strategy of hand-to-hand -hand combat propagated in the world. This is recorded for the first time in the five books of ground, water, fire, tradition or wind, and void. This is the way for men who want to learn my strategy. 1. Do not think dishonestly. 2. The way is in training. 3. Become acquainted with every art. 4. Know the ways of all professions. 5. Distinguish between gain and loss in worldly matters. 6. Develop intuitive judgment and understanding for everything. 7. Perceive those things which cannot be seen. 8. Pay attention even to trifles. 9. Do nothing which is of no use. It is important to start by setting these broad principles in your heart and train in the way of strategy. If you do not look at things on a large scale, it will be difficult for you to master strategy. If you learn and attain this strategy, you will never lose, even to twenty or thirty enemies. More than anything to start with, you must set your heart on strategy and earnestly stick to the way. You will come to be able to actually beat men in fights, and to be able to win with your eye. Also by training you will be able to freely control your own body, conquer men with your body, and with sufficient training you will be able to beat ten men with your spirit. When you have reached this point, will it not mean that you are invincible? Moreover, in large-scale strategy, the superior man will manage many subordinates dexterously, bear himself correctly, govern the country, and foster the people, thus preserving the ruler's discipline. If there is a way involving the spirit of not being defeated, to help oneself and to gain honor, it is the way of strategy. The second year of Shoho, 1645, the fifth month, the twelfth day, 
Signed, Shinman Musashi. To Teruo Maganojo, the pupil, sometimes called Teruo Noboyuki, to whom Musashi addressed Godin Nosho. Water Book The spirit of the Niten Ichi school of strategy is based on water, and this water book explains methods of victory as the long sword form of the Ichi school. Language does not extend to explaining the way in detail, but it can be grasped intuitively. Study this book. Read a word, then ponder on it. If you interpret the meaning loosely, you will mistake the way. The principles of strategy are written down here in terms of single combat, but you must think broadly so that you attain an understanding for 10,000 aside battles. Strategy is different from other things in that if you mistake the way, even a little, you will become bewildered and fall into bad ways. If you merely read this book, you will not reach the way of strategy. Absorb the things written in this book. Do not just read, memorize, or imitate, but so that you realize the principle from within your own heart. Study hard to absorb these things into your body. Spiritual Bearing and Strategy In strategy, your spiritual bearing must not be any different from normal. Both in fighting and in everyday life, you should be determined, though calm. Meet the situation without tenseness, yet not recklessly, your spirit settled, yet unbiased. Even when your spirit is calm, do not let your body relax. And when your body is relaxed, do not let your spirit slacken. Do not let your spirit be influenced by your body, or your body be influenced by your spirit. Be neither insufficiently spirited, nor over-spirited. An elevated spirit is weak, and a low spirit is weak. Do not let the enemy see your spirit. Small people must be completely familiar with the spirit of large people, and large people must be familiar with the spirit of small people. Whatever your size, do not be misled by the reactions of your own body. With your spirit open and unconstricted, look at things from a high point of view. You must cultivate your wisdom and spirit, polish your wisdom, learn public justice, Distinguish between good and evil. Study the ways of different arts one by one. When you cannot be deceived by men, you will have realized the wisdom of strategy. The wisdom of strategy is different from other things. On the battlefield, even when you are hard-pressed, you should ceaselessly research the principles of strategy so that you can develop a steady spirit. Stance in Strategy Adopt a stance with the head erect, neither hanging down, nor looking up, nor twisted. Your forehead and the space between your eyes should not be wrinkled. Do not roll your eyes nor allow them to blink, but slightly narrow them. With your features composed, keep the line of your nose straight with a feeling of slightly flaring your nostrils. Hold the line of the rear of the neck straight, instill vigor into your hairline, and in the same way from the shoulders down through your entire body. Lower both shoulders. 
and without the buttocks jutting out, put strength into your legs from the knees to the tips of your toes. Brace your abdomen so that you do not bend at the hips. In all forms of strategy, it is necessary to maintain the combat stance in everyday life, and to make your everyday stance your combat stance. You must research this well. The Gaze in Strategy The gaze should be large and broad. This is the twofold gaze, perception and sight. Perception is strong and sight weak. In strategy, it is important to see distant things as if they were close, and to take a distance view of close things. It is important in strategy to know the enemy's sword and not be distracted by insignificant movements of his sword. You must study this. The gaze is the same for single combat and for large-scale strategy. It is necessary in strategy to be able to look to both sides without moving the eyeballs. You cannot master this ability quickly. Learn what is written here. Use this gaze in everyday life and do not vary it, whatever happens. Holding the Long Sword Grip the long sword with a rather floating feeling in your thumb and forefinger, with the middle finger neither tight nor slack, and with the last two fingers tight. It is bad to have play in your hands. When you take up a sword, you must feel intent on cutting the enemy. As you cut an enemy, you must not change your grip, and your hands must not cower. Above all, you must be intent on cutting the enemy in the way you grip the sword. The grip for combat and for sword testing is the same. There is no such thing as a man-cutting grip. Generally, I dislike fixedness in both long swords and hands. Fixedness means a dead hand. Pliability is a living hand. You must bear this in mind. Footwork With the tips of your toes somewhat floating, tread firmly with your heels. Whether you move fast or slow, with large or small steps, your feet must always move as in normal walking. So-called yin-yang foot is important in the way. Yin-yang foot means not moving only one foot. It means moving your feet left-right and right-left when cutting, withdrawing, or warding off a cut. You should not move one foot preferentially. The Five Attitudes The Five Attitudes are Upper, Middle, lower, right side, and left side. These are the five. Although attitude has these five divisions, the one purpose of all of them is to cut the enemy. There are none but these five attitudes. Whatever attitude you are in, do not be conscious of making the attitude. Think only of cutting. Your attitude should be large or small according to the situation. Upper, lower, and middle attitudes are decisive. Left side and right side attitudes are fluid. Left and right attitudes should be used if there is an obstruction overhead or to one side. The decision to use left or right depends on the place. The essence of the way is this. To understand attitude, you must thoroughly understand the middle attitude. The middle attitude is the heart of attitudes. If we look at strategy on a broad scale, the middle attitude is the seat of the commander, with the other four attitudes following the commander. 
You must appreciate this. The way of the long sword. Knowing the way of the long sword means we can wield with two fingers the sword we usually carry. If we know the path of the sword well, we can wield it easily. If you try to wield the long sword quickly, you will mistake the way. To wield the long sword well, you must wield it calmly. If you try to wield it quickly, like a folding fan or a short sword, you will err by using short sword chopping. You cannot cut a man with a long sword using this method. Wield the sword strongly. This is the way of the long sword. If you learn to use the five approaches of my strategy, you will be able to wield the sword well. You must train constantly. The Five Approaches 1. The first approach is the middle attitude. Confront the enemy with the point of your sword against his face. When he attacks, dash his sword to the right and ride it. Or when the enemy attacks, deflect the point of his sword by hitting downwards. Keep your long sword where it is, and as the enemy renews the attack, cut his arms from below. This is the first method. The five approaches are this kind of thing. You must train repeatedly using a long sword in order to learn them. When you master my way of the long sword, you will be able to control any attack the enemy makes. I assure you, there are no attitudes other than the five attitudes of the long sword of Nito. 2. In the second approach with the long sword, from the upper attitude, cut the enemy just as he attacks. If the enemy evades the cut, keep your sword where it is, and scooping up from below, cut him as he renews the attack. It is possible to repeat the cut from here. In this method, there are various changes in timing and spirit. You will be able to learn this by training in the Ichi school. You will always win with the five long sword methods. You must train repetitively. 3. In the third approach, adopt the lower attitude, anticipating scooping up. When the enemy attacks, hit his hands from below. As you do so, he may try to hit your sword down. If this is the case, cut his upper arm or arms horizontally with a feeling of crossing. This means that from the lower attitudes, you hit the enemy at the instant that he attacks. You will encounter this method often, both as a beginner and in later strategy. You must train holding a long sword. 4. In this fourth approach, adopt the left side attitude. As the enemy attacks, hit his hands from below. If, as you hit his hands, he attempts to dash down your sword with the feeling of hitting his hands, parry the path of his long sword and cut across from above your shoulder. This is the way of the long sword. Through this method, you win by parrying the line of the enemy's attack. You must research this. 5. In the fifth approach, the sword is in the right side attitude. In accordance with the enemy's attack, cross your long sword from below with the side to the upper attitude, then cut straight from above. This method is essential for knowing the way of the long sword well. If you can use this method, you can freely wield a heavy long sword. I cannot describe in detail how to use these five approaches. You must become well acquainted with my in harmony with the long sword way. Learn large-scale timing. Understand the enemy's long sword 
and become used to the five approaches from the outset. You will always win by using these five methods with various timing considerations discerning the enemy's spirit. You must consider all of this. The Attitude, No Attitude Teaching Attitude, No Attitude means that there is no need for what are known as long-sword attitudes. Even so, attitudes exist as the five ways of holding the long-sword. However you hold the sword, it must be in such a way that it is easy to cut the enemy well in accordance with the situation, the place, and your relation to the enemy. From the upper attitude, as your spirit lessens, you can adopt the middle attitude. And from the middle attitude, you can raise the sword a little in your technique and adopt the upper attitude. From the lower attitude, you can raise the sword a little and adopt the middle attitudes as the occasion demands. According to the situation, if you turn your sword from either the left or right side attitude towards the center, the middle or lower attitude results. The principle of this is called existing attitude, non-existing attitude. The primary thing when you take a sword in your hands is your intention to cut the enemy, whatever the means. Whenever you parry, hit, strike, spring, or touch the enemy's cutting sword, you must cut the enemy in the same movement. It is essential to attain this. If you think only of hitting, springing, striking, or touching the enemy, you will not be able to actually cut him. More than anything, you must be thinking of carrying your movement through to cutting him. You must thoroughly research this. Attitude and strategy on a larger scale is called battle array. Such attitudes are all for winning battles. Fixed formation is bad. Study this well. To hit the enemy in one timing. In one timing means when you have closed with the enemy to hit him as quickly and directly as possible without moving your body or settling your spirit while you see that he is still undecided. The timing of hitting before the enemy decides to withdraw, break, or hit is this in one timing. You must train to achieve this timing, to be able to hit in the timing of an instant. The Abdomen Timing of Two When you attack and the enemy quickly retreats, as you see him tense, you must feint a cut. Then, as he relaxes, follow up and hit him. This is the Abdomen Timing of Two. No Design, No Conception In this method, when the enemy attacks and you also decide to attack, hit with your body and hit with your spirit and hit from the void with your hands, accelerating strongly. This is the no design, no conception cut. Monan Muso means the ability to act calmly and naturally, even in the face of danger. It is the highest accord with existence, when a man's word and his actions are spontaneously the same. This is the most important method of hitting. It is often used. You must train hard to understand it. The flowing water cut. The flowing water cut is used when you are struggling blade to blade with the enemy. When he breaks and quickly withdraws, trying to spring with his long sword, expand your body and spirit and cut him as slowly as possible with your long sword, following your body like stagnant water. 
You can cut with certainty if you learn this. You must discern the enemy's grade. Continuous cut. When you attack and the enemy also attacks, and your swords spring together in one action, cut his head, hands, and legs. When you cut several places with one sweep of the long sword, it is the continuous cut. You must practice this cut. It is often used. With detailed practice, you should be able to understand it. The fire and stones cut. The fire and stones cut means that when the enemy's long sword and your long sword clash together, you cut as strongly as possible without raising the sword even a little. This means cutting quickly with the hands, body, and legs, all three cutting strongly. If you train well enough, you will be able to strike strongly. The red leaves cut means knocking down the enemy's long sword. The spirit should be getting control of his sword. When the enemy is in a long sword attitude in front of you, and intent on cutting, hitting, and parrying, you strongly hit the enemy's long sword with the fire and stones cut, perhaps in the spirit of the no design, no conception cut. If you then beat down the point of a sword with a sticky feeling, he will necessarily drop the sword. If you practice this cut, it becomes easy to make the enemy drop his sword. You must train repetitively. The body in place of the long sword. Also, the long sword in place of the body. Usually, we move the body and the sword at the same time to cut the enemy. However, according to the enemy's cutting method, you can dash against him with your body first and afterwards cut with the sword. If his body is immovable, you can cut first with the long sword, but generally you hit first with the body and then cut with the long sword. You must research this well and practice hitting. Cut and Slash to cut and to slash are two different things. Cutting, whatever form of cutting it is, is decisive with a resolute spirit. Slashing is nothing more than touching the enemy. Even if you slash strongly, and even if the enemy dies instantly, it is slashing. When you cut, your spirit is resolved. You must appreciate this. If you first slash the enemy's hands or legs, you must then cut strongly. Slashing is in spirit the same as touching. When you realize this, they become indistinguishable. Learn this well. Chinese Monkey's Body The Chinese Monkey's Body is the spirit of not stretching out your arms. The spirit is to get in quickly without in the least extending your arms before the enemy cuts. If you are intent upon not stretching out your arms, you are effectively far away. The spirit is to go in with your whole body. When you come to within arm's reach, it becomes easy to move your body in. You must research this well. Glue and Lacquer Emulsion Body The spirit of glue and lacquer emulsion body is to stick to the enemy and not separate from him. When you approach the enemy, stick firmly with your head, body, and legs. People tend to advance their head and legs quickly but their body lags behind. 
You should stick firmly so that there is not the slightest gap between the enemy's body and your body. You must consider this carefully. To strive for height. By to strive for height is meant when you close with the enemy, to strive with him for superior height without cringing. Stretch your legs, stretch your hips, and stretch your neck face to face with him. When you think you have won and you are the higher, thrust in strongly. You must learn this. To apply stickiness. When the enemy attacks and you also attack with the long sword, you should go in with a sticky feeling and fix your long sword against the enemy's as you receive his cut. The spirit of stickiness is not hitting very strongly, but hitting so that the long swords do not separate easily. It is best to approach as calmly as possible when hitting the enemy's long sword with stickiness. The difference between stickiness and entanglement is that stickiness is firm and entanglement is weak. You must appreciate this. The body strike. The body strike means to approach the enemy through To stab at the face. To stab at the face means, when you are in confrontation with the enemy, that your spirit is intent on stabbing at his face, following the line of the blades with the point of your long sword. If you are intent on stabbing at his face, his face and body will become rideable. When the enemy becomes as if rideable, there are various opportunities for winning. You must concentrate on this. When fighting and the enemy's body becomes as if rideable, you can win quickly, so you ought not to forget to stab at the face. You must pursue the value of this technique through training. To stab at the heart. To stab at the heart means when fighting and there are obstructions above or to the sides, and whenever it is difficult to cut, to thrust at the enemy. You must stab the enemy's breast without letting the point of your long sword waver, showing the enemy the ridge of the blade square on and with the spirit of deflecting his long sword. The spirit of this principle is often useful when we become tired or for some reason our long sword will not cut. You must understand the application of this method. To scold... Scold means that when the enemy tries to countercut as you attack, you countercut again from below, as if thrusting at him, trying to hold him down. With very quick timing, you cut, scolding the enemy, thrust up, tut, and cut, tut. This timing is encountered time and time again in exchanges of blows. The way to scold, tut, tut, is to time the cut simultaneously with raising your long sword as if to thrust the enemy. You must learn this through repetitive practice. The smacking parry. By smacking parry is meant that when you clash swords with the enemy, you meet his attacking cut on your long sword with a tidum tidum rhythm, smacking a sword and cutting him. The spirit of the smacking parry is not parrying or smacking strongly but smacking the enemy's long sword in accordance with his attacking cut, primarily intent on quickly cutting him. If you understand the timing of smacking, however hard your long swords clash together, your sword point will not be knocked back even a little. 
you must research sufficiently to realize this. There are many enemies. There are many enemies applies when you are fighting one against many. Draw both sword and companion sword and assume a wide-stretched left and right attitude. The spirit is to chase the enemies around from side to side, even though they come from all four directions. Observe their attacking order and go to meet first those who attack first. Sweep your eyes around broadly, carefully examining the attacking order, and cut left and right alternately with your swords. Waiting is bad. Always quickly reassume your attitudes to both sides. Cut the enemies down as they advance, crushing them in the direction from which they attack. Whatever you do, you must drive the enemy together, as if tying a line of fish. And when they are seen to be piled up, Cut them down strongly without giving them room to move. Musashi is held to be the inventor of the two-sword style. He writes that the use of two swords is for when there are many enemies. But people practice a style of fencing with a sword in each hand to give practical advantage in fencing. Musashi used the words two swords when meaning to use all one's resources in combat. He never used two swords when up against a skilled swordsman. The Advantage When Coming to Blows You can know how to win through strategy with the long sword, but it cannot be clearly explained in writing. You must practice diligently in order to understand how to win. Oral tradition, the true way of strategy, is revealed in the long sword. One Cut you can win with certainty with the spirit of one cut. It is difficult to attain this if you do not learn strategy well. If you train well in this way, strategy will come from your heart, and you will be able to win at will. You must train diligently. Direct Communication The spirit of direct communication is how the true way of the Nito Ichi school is received and handed down. Oral tradition Teach your body's strategy. Recorded in the above book is an outline of Ichi school sword fighting. To learn how to win with the long sword in strategy, first learn the five approaches and the five attitudes and absorb the way of the long sword naturally in your body. You must understand spirit and timing, handle the long sword naturally, and move body and legs in harmony with your spirit. Whether beating one man or two, you will then know values in strategy. Study the contents of this book, taking one item at a time, and through fighting with your enemies, you will gradually come to know the principle of the way. Deliberately, with a patient spirit, absorb the virtue of all this, from time to time raising your hand in combat. Maintain this spirit whenever you cross swords with an enemy. Step by step, walk the thousand-mile road. Study strategy over the years and achieve the spirit of the warrior. Today is victory over yourself of yesterday. Tomorrow is your victory over lesser men. Next, in order to beat more skillful men, train according to this book, not allowing your heart to be swayed along a sidetrack. Even if you kill an enemy... If it is not based on what you have learned, it is not 
the true way. The second year of Shoho, the twelfth day of the fifth month, 1645. Signed, Shinmen Musashi. The Fire Book In this, the fire book of the Nito Ichi School of Strategy, I describe fighting as fire. In the first place, people think narrowly about the benefit of strategy. By using only their fingertips, they only know the benefit of three of the five inches of the wrist. They let a contest be decided, as with the folding fan, merely by the span of their forearms. They specialize in the small matter of dexterity, learning such trifles as hand and leg movements with the bamboo practice sword. In my strategy, the training for killing enemies is by way of many contests. Fighting for survival, discovering the meaning of life and death, learning the way of the sword, judging the strength of attacks, and understanding the way of the edge and ridge of the sword. You cannot profit from small techniques, particularly when full armor is worn. My way of strategy is the sure method to win when fighting for your life one man against five or ten. There is nothing wrong with the principle, one man can beat ten, so a thousand men can beat ten thousand. You must research this. Of course, you cannot assemble a thousand or ten thousand men for everyday training. But you can become a master of strategy by training alone with a sword, so that you can understand the enemy's stratagems, his strength and resources, and come to appreciate how to apply strategy to beat ten thousand enemies. Any man who wants to master the essence of my strategy must research diligently, training morning and evening. Thus can he polish his skill, become free from self, and realize extraordinary ability. He will come to possess miraculous power. This is the practical result of strategy. Depending on the place, examine your environment. Stand in the sun, that is, take up an attitude with the sun behind you. If the situation does not allow this, you must try to keep the sun on your right side. In buildings, you must stand with the entrance behind you or to your right. Make sure that your rear is unobstructed and that there is free space on your left, your right side being occupied with your sword attitude. At night, if the enemy can be seen, keep the fire behind you and the entrance to your right, and otherwise take up your attitude as above. You must look down on the enemy and take up your attitude on slightly higher places. For example, the kamiza, or spiritual center in a house, is thought of as a high place. When the fight comes, always endeavor to chase the enemy around to your left side. Chase him toward awkward places and try to keep him with his back to awkward places. When the enemy gets into an inconvenient position, do not let him look around, but conscientiously chase him around and pin him down. In houses, chase the enemy into the thresholds, lintels, doors, verandas, pillars, and so on, again not letting him see his situation. Always chase the enemy into bad footholds, obstacles at the side, and so on, using the virtues of the place to establish predominant positions from which to fight. You must research and train diligently in this.
the three methods to forestall the enemy. A great swordsman, or any other artist, will have mastered the ability to forestall the enemy. The great swordsman is always before his environment. This does not mean speed. You cannot beat a good swordsman because he subconsciously sees the origin of every real action. It is the practiced ability to sum up a changing situation instantly. The first is to forestall him by attacking. This is called ken no sen, to set him up. Another method is to forestall him as he attacks. This is called tai no sen, to wait for the initiative. The other method is when you and the enemy attack together. This is called tai tai no sen, to accompany him and forestall him. There are no methods of taking the lead other than these three. Because you can win quickly by taking the lead, it is one of the most important things in strategy. There are several things involved in taking the lead. You must make the best of the situation, see through the enemy's spirit, so that you grasp his strategy and defeat him. It is impossible to write about this in detail. The first, Ken no Sen. When you decide to attack, keep calm and dash in quickly, forestalling the enemy. Or you can advance seemingly strongly, but with a reserved spirit, forestalling him with the reserve. Alternatively, advance with as strong a spirit as possible. And when you reach the enemy, move with your feet a little quicker than normal, unsettling him and overwhelming him sharply. Or with your spirit calm, attack with a feeling of constantly crushing the enemy from first to last. The spirit is to win in the depths of the enemy. These are all ken no sen. The second, tai no sen. When the enemy attacks, remain undisturbed, but feign weakness. As the enemy reaches you, suddenly move away, indicating that you intend to jump aside. Then dash in, attacking strongly as soon as you see the enemy relax. This is one way. Or as the enemy attacks, attack still more strongly, taking advantage of the resulting disorder and his timing to win. This is the Tai No Sen principle. The third, Tai Tai No Sen. When the enemy makes a quick attack, you must attack strongly and calmly. Aim for his weak point as he draws near and strongly defeat him. Or, if the enemy attacks calmly, you must observe his movement and with your body rather floating. Join in with his movement as he draws near. Move quickly and cut him strongly. This is Tai Tai No Sen. These things cannot be clearly explained in words. You must research what is written here. In these three ways of forestalling, you must judge the situation. This does not mean that you always attack first. But if the enemy attacks first, you can lead him around. In strategy, you have effectively won when you forestall the enemy. So you must train well to attain this. To hold down a pillow. To hold down a pillow means not allowing the enemy's head to rise. In contests of strategy, it is bad to be led about by the enemy. You must always be able to lead the enemy about. 
Obviously, the enemy will also be thinking of doing this, but he cannot forestall you if you do not allow him to come out. In strategy, you must stop the enemy as he attempts to cut. You must push down his thrust and throw off his hold when he tries to grapple. This is the meaning of to hold down a pillow. When you have grasped this principle, whatever the enemy tries to bring about in the fight, you will see in advance and suppress it. The spirit is to check his attack at the syllable at. When he jumps, check his jump at the syllable ja. And check his cut at ka. The important thing in strategy is to suppress the enemy's useful actions, but allow his useless actions. However, doing this alone is defensive. First, you must act according to the way. Suppress the enemy's techniques, foiling his plans, and thence command him directly. When you can do this, you will be a master of strategy. You must train well and research holding down a pillow. Crossing at a ford. Crossing at a ford means, for example, crossing the sea at a strait, or crossing over a hundred miles of broad sea at a crossing place. I believe this crossing at a ford occurs often in a man's lifetime. It means setting sail, even though your friends stay in harbor, knowing the route, knowing the soundness of your ship and the favor of the day. When all the conditions are met, and there is perhaps a favorable wind or a tailwind, then set sail. If the wind changes within a few miles of your destination, you must row across the remaining distance without sail. If you attain this spirit, it applies to everyday life. You must always think of crossing at a ford. In strategy, also it is important to cross at a ford. Discern the enemy's capability, and knowing your own strong points, cross the ford at the advantageous place, as a good captain crosses a sea route. If you succeed in crossing at the best place, you may take your ease. To cross at a ford means to attack the enemy's weak point, and to put yourself in an advantageous position. This is how to win in large-scale strategy. The spirit of crossing at a ford is necessary in both large and small-scale strategy. You must research this well. To know the times. To know the times means to know the enemy's disposition in battle. Is it flourishing or waning? By observing the spirit of the enemy's men and getting the best position, you can work out the enemy's disposition and move your men accordingly. You can win through this principle of strategy, fighting from a position of advantage. When in a duel, you must forestall the enemy and attack when you have first recognized his school of strategy, perceived his quality and his strong and weak points. Attack in an unsuspected manner, knowing his meter and modulation and the appropriate timing. Knowing the times means if your ability is high, seeing right into things. If you are thoroughly conversant with strategy, you will recognize the enemy's intentions and thus have many opportunities to win. You must sufficiently study this. To tread down the sword. To tread down the sword is a principle often used in strategy. First in large-scale strategy, when the enemy first discharges bows and guns and then attacks, it is difficult for us to attack if we are busy loading powder into our guns or notching our arrows. 
The spirit is to attack quickly while the enemy is still shooting with bows or guns. The spirit is to win by treading down as we receive the enemy's attack. In single combat, we cannot get a decisive victory by cutting with a tidum-tidum feeling in the wake of the enemy's attacking long sword. We must defeat him at the start of his attack, in the spirit of treading him down with the feet, so that he cannot rise again to the attack. Treading does not simply mean treading with the feet. Tread with the body, tread with the spirit, and of course, tread and cut with the long sword. You must achieve the spirit of not allowing the enemy to attack a second time. This is the spirit of forestalling in every sense. Once at the enemy, you should not aspire just to strike him, but to cling after the attack. You must study this deeply. To know collapse. In large-scale strategy, when the enemy starts to collapse, you must pursue him without letting the chance go. If you fail to take advantage of your enemy's collapse, they may recover. You must understand how to utterly cut down the enemy. To become the enemy. To become the enemy means to think yourself into the enemy's position. In single combat, also you must put yourself in the enemy's position. If you think, here is a master of the way who knows the principles of strategy, then you will surely lose. You must consider this deeply. To release four hands. To release four hands is used when you and the enemy are contending with the same spirit and the issue cannot be decided. It is a deadlock. Abandon this spirit and win through an alternative resource. When there is a four hands spirit, do not give up. It is man's existence. Immediately throw away this spirit and win with a technique the enemy does not expect. In single combat also, when we think we have fallen into the forehand situation, we must defeat the enemy by changing our mind and applying a suitable technique according to his condition. You must be able to judge this. To move the shade. To move the shade is used when you cannot see the enemy's spirit. In large-scale strategy, when you cannot see the enemy's position, indicate that you are about to attack strongly to discover his resources. In single combat, if the enemy takes up a rear or side attitude of the long sword so that you cannot see his intention, feign an attack, and the enemy will show his long sword, thinking he sees your spirit. Benefiting from what you are shown, you can win with certainty. If you are negligent, you will miss the timing. Research this well. To hold down a shadow. Holding down a shadow is used when you can see the enemy's attacking spirit. When the enemy embarks on an attack, make a show of strongly suppressing his technique, and he will change his mind. Then, altering your spirit, defeat him by forestalling him with a void spirit. To pass on. Many things are said to be passed on. Sleepiness can be passed on and yawning can be passed on. Time can be passed on also. 
In single combat, you can win by relaxing your body and spirit, and then catching on to the moment when the enemy relaxes, attacks strongly and quickly forestalling him. What is known as getting someone drunk is similar to this. You can also infect the enemy with a bored, careless, or weak spirit. To cause loss of balance. Many things can cause a loss of balance. One cause is danger, another is hardship, and another is surprise. You must research this. In strategy, it is important to cause loss of balance. Or in single combat, start by making a show of being slow. Then attack strongly, without allowing him space for breath to recover from the fluctuation of spirit. You must grasp the opportunity to win. To frighten. Fright often occurs caused by the unexpected. In large-scale strategy, you can frighten the enemy not just by what you present to their eyes, but by shouting, making a small force seem large, or by threatening them from the flank without warning. These things all frighten. You can win by making best use of the enemy's frightened rhythm. To soak in. When you have come to grips and are striving together with the enemy, and you realize that you cannot advance, you soak in and become one with the enemy. You can win by applying a suitable technique while you are mutually entangled. To injure the corners. It is difficult to move strong things by pushing directly, so you should injure the corners. In large-scale strategy, it is beneficial to strike at the corners of the enemy's force. If the corners are overthrown, the spirit of the whole body will be overthrown. To defeat the enemy, you must follow up the attack when the corners have fallen. In single combat, it is easy to win once the enemy collapses. This happens when you injure the corners of his body and thus weaken him. To throw into confusion. This means making the enemy lose resolve. Victory is certain when the enemy is caught up in a rhythm which confuses his spirit. We can confuse the enemy by attacking with varied techniques when the chance arises. Faint a thrust or cut, or make the enemy think that you are going to close with him. And when he is confused, you can easily win. We can make him think, here, there, like that, like this, slow, fast. This is the essence of fighting, and you must research it deeply. To mingle. In battles, when the armies are in confrontation, attack the enemy's strong points, and when you see that they are beaten back, quickly separate and attack yet another strong point on the periphery of his force. The spirit of this is like a winding mountain path. This is an important fighting method for one man against many. What is meant by mingling is the spirit of advancing and becoming engaged with the enemy and not withdrawing even one step. You must understand this. To crush. This means to crush the enemy regarding him as being weak. If the enemy is less skillful than ourself, if his rhythm is disorganized, or if he has fallen into evasive or retreating attitudes, crush him straight away. The primary thing is to not let him recover his position even a little. The Mountain Sea Change The Mountain Sea Spirit 
means that it is bad to repeat the same thing several times when fighting the enemy. There may be no help but to do something twice, but do not try it a third time. If the enemy thinks of the mountains, attack like the sea. And if he thinks of the sea, attack like the mountains. To penetrate the depths. When we are fighting with the enemy, even when it can be seen that we can win on the surface with the benefit of the way, if his spirit is not extinguished, he may be beaten superficially, yet undefeated in spirit deep inside. With this principle of penetrating the depths, we can destroy the enemy's spirit in its depths, demoralizing him by quickly changing our spirit. If the enemy remains spirited, it is difficult to crush him. To renew. To renew applies when we are fighting with the enemy and an entangled spirit arises where there is no possible resolution. We must abandon our efforts. Think of the situation in a fresh spirit, then win it in the new rhythm. Rat's head, ox's neck. We must always think of the way of strategy as being both a rat's head and an ox's neck. Whenever we have become preoccupied with small details, we must suddenly change into a large spirit, interchanging large with small. The commander knows the troops. The commander knows the troops applies everywhere and fights in my way of strategy. Using the wisdom of strategy, think of the enemy as your own troops. When you think in this way, you can move him at will and be able to chase him around. The body of a rock. When you have mastered the way of strategy, you can suddenly make your body like a rock, and ten thousand things cannot touch you. This is the body of a rock. You will not be moved. Oral tradition. This book is a spiritual guide for the man who wishes to learn the way. The true way of sword fencing is the craft of defeating the enemy in a fight, and nothing other than this. If you attain and adhere to the wisdom of my strategy, you need never doubt that you will win. The second year of Shoho, the fifth month, the twelfth day, 1645, signed Shinmen Musashi. The Wind Book In strategy, you must know the ways of other schools. So I have written about various other traditions of strategy in this, The Wind Book. Without knowledge of the ways of other schools, it is difficult to understand the essence of my Ichi school. Looking at other schools, we find some that specialize in techniques of strength using extra-long swords. Some schools study the way of the short sword, known as Kodachi. Some schools teach dexterity in large numbers of sword techniques, teaching attitudes of the sword as the surface and the way as the interior. That none of these are the true way I show clearly in the interior of this book. All the vices and virtues and rights and wrongs. My Ichi school is different. Other schools make accomplishments their means of livelihood, 
growing flowers and decoratively coloring articles in order to sell them. This is definitely not the way of strategy. Some of the world's strategists are concerned only with sword fencing and limit their training to flourishing the long sword and carriage of the body. But is dexterity alone sufficient to win? This is not the essence of the way. I have recorded the unsatisfactory points of other schools one by one in this book. You must study these matters deeply to appreciate the benefit of my Nito Ichi school. Other schools using extra-long swords. Some other schools have a liking for extra-long swords. From the point of view of my strategy, these must be seen as weak schools. This is because they do not appreciate the principle of cutting the enemy by any means. Their preferences for the extra-long sword and relying on the virtue of its length, they think to defeat the enemy from a distance. In this world, it is said, one inch gives the hand advantage. But these are the idle words of someone who does not know strategy. It shows the inferior strategy of a weak spirit that men should be dependent upon the length of their sword, fighting from a distance without the benefit of strategy. From olden times it has been said, great and small go together. So do not unconditionally dislike extra-long swords. What I dislike is the inclination toward the long sword only. If we consider large-scale strategy, we can think of large forces in terms of long swords, and small forces as short swords. Cannot few men give battle against many? There are many instances of few men overcoming many. In my doctrine, I dislike preconceived narrow spirit. You must study this well. The Strong Long Sword Spirit in Other Schools If you are concerned with the strength of your sword, you will try to cut unreasonably strongly and will not be able to cut at all. It is also bad to try to cut strongly when testing the sword. Whenever you cross swords with an enemy, you must not think of cutting him either strongly or weakly. Just think of cutting and killing him. Be intent solely upon killing the enemy. Do not try to cut strongly and, of course, do not think of cutting weakly. You should only be concerned with killing the enemy. If you rely on strength, when you hit the enemy's sword, you will inevitably hit too hard. If you do this, your own sword will be carried along as a result. Thus the saying, the strongest hand wins, has no meaning. Without the correct principle, the fight cannot be won. Use of the shorter long sword in other schools. Using a shorter long sword is not the true way to win. Some men use a shorter long sword with the intention of jumping in and stabbing the enemy at the unguarded moment when he flourishes his sword. This inclination is bad. To aim for the enemy's unguarded moment is completely defensive and undesirable at close quarters with the enemy. Furthermore, you cannot use the method of jumping inside his defense with a short sword if there are many enemies. By their study of strategy, people of the world get used to countering, evading, and retreating as the normal thing. They become set in this habit, so can easily be paraded around by the enemy. The way of strategy is straight 
and true. You must chase the enemy around and make him obey your spirit. Other schools with many methods of using the long sword. I think it is held in other schools that there are many methods of using the long sword in order to gain the admiration of beginners. This is selling the way. It is a vile spirit in strategy. Anyway, cutting down the enemy is the way of strategy, and there is no need for many refinements of it. There are five methods in five directions. Methods apart from these five, hand-twisting, body-bending, jumping out, and so on, to cut the enemy, are not in the true way of strategy. This is completely useless. In my strategy, I bear my spirit and body straight and cause the enemy to twist and bend. The necessary spirit is to win by attacking the enemy when his spirit is warped. Use of Attitudes of the Long Sword in Other Schools Attitudes are for situations in which you are not to be moved. In the way of dueling, however, you must always be intent upon taking the lead and attacking. Attitude is the spirit of awaiting an attack. You must appreciate this. In duels of strategy, you must move the opponent's attitude. Attack where his spirit is lax, throw him into confusion, Irritate and terrify him. Take advantage of the enemy's rhythm when he is unsettled, and you can win. I dislike the defensive spirit known as attitude. Fixing the eyes in other schools. In the way of strategy, when you have fought many times, you will easily be able to appraise the speed and position of the enemy's sword, and having mastery of the way, you will see the weight of his spirit. In strategy, fixing the eyes means gazing at the man's heart. In large-scale strategy, the area to watch is the enemy's strength. Perception and sight are the two methods of seeing. Perception consists of concentrating strongly on the enemy's spirit, observing the condition of the battlefield, fixing the gaze strongly, seeing the progress of the fight and the changes of advantage. This is the sure way to win. In single combat, you must not fix the eyes on details. As I said before, if you fix your eyes on details and neglect important things, your spirit will become bewildered and victory will escape you. Research this principle well and train diligently. Use of the feet in other schools. I dislike floating foot because the feet always tend to float during the fight. The way must be trod firmly. In my strategy, the footwork does not change. I always walk as I usually do in the street. You must never lose control of your feet. According to the enemy's rhythm, move fast or slowly, adjusting your body not too much and not too little. Speed in other schools. Speed is not part of the true way of strategy. Speed implies that things seem fast or slow according to whether or not they are in rhythm. Whatever the way, the master of strategy does not appear fast. Really skillful people never get out of time and are always deliberate and never appear busy. From this example, the principle can be seen. What is known as speed is especially bad in the way of strategy. 
If you try to cut quickly, as if using a fan or a short sword, you will not actually cut even a little. When your opponent is hurrying recklessly, you must act contrarily and keep calm. You must not be influenced by the opponent. Train diligently to attain this spirit. Interior and Surface in Other Schools There is no interior nor surface in strategy. I gradually endeavor to explain the deep principle, points which it is hardly possible to comprehend according to the pupil's progress. In any event, because the way to understanding is through experience, I do not speak of interior and gate. In this world, if you go into the mountains and decide to go deeper and yet deeper, instead you will emerge at the gate. Whatever the way, it has an interior, and it is sometimes a good thing to point out the gate. In strategy, we cannot say what is concealed and what is revealed. In my Ichi school of the long sword, there is neither gate nor interior. There is no inner meaning in sword attitudes. You must simply keep your spirit true to realize the virtue of strategy. Twelfth day of the fifth month, the second year of Shoho, 1645. Shinmen Musashi. The Book of the Void. The Nito Ichi way of strategy is recorded in this, the Book of the Void. What is called the spirit of the void is where there is nothing. It is not included in man's knowledge. Of course, the void is nothingness. By knowing things that exist, you can know that which does not exist. That is the void. People in this world look at things mistakenly and think that what they do not understand must be the void. This is not the true void. It is bewilderment. In the way of strategy also, those who study as warriors think that whatever they cannot understand in their craft is the void. This is not the true void. To attain the way of strategy as a warrior, you must study fuller other martial arts and not deviate even a little from the way of the warrior. With your spirit settled, accumulate practice day by day and hour by hour. Polish the twofold spirit, heart and mind, and sharpen the twofold gaze, perception and sight. When your spirit is not in the least clouded, when the clouds of bewilderment clear away, there is the true void. Until you realize the true way, whether in Buddhism or in common sense, you may think that things are correct and in order. However, if we look at things objectively from the viewpoint of laws of the world, we see various doctrines departing from the true way. Know well this spirit, and with forthrightness as the foundation, and the true spirit as the way. Enact strategy broadly, correctly, and openly. Then you will come to think of things in a wide sense, and taking the void as the way, you will see the way as void. In the void is virtue, and no evil. Wisdom has existence. Principle has existence. The way has existence. Spirit is nothingness. Twelfth day of the fifth month, second year of Shoho, 1645.
Shinman Musashi. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening and namaste.